Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. So on our Yellowstone first parter, we talked about both of our individual first trips to America's OG National Park, along with info on thermal features and a supervolcano that you don't really need to worry about, probably. Now it's time for the sequel episode, which I'm calling Yellowstone Full Throttle. Is that a nod to Charlie's Angels sequel movie? Yes, it absolutely is. (laughs) Because just like that insane sequel... Our part two episode of Yellowstone is filled with stunts and sights that defy logic and possibility. And subbing in for Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu, we have you, me, and Finn. And grizzly bears instead of an evil Demi Moore, I guess. (laughs) That's right. This was our first time actually seeing a grizzly bear in the wild. But don't worry, everything worked out just fine, seeing as we're alive and talking about it right now. Phew. It was all my worst fears and wildest dreams converged into one memorable, epic moment. But you'll have to stay tuned because there's a lot of ground for us to cover in this second part episode of Wyoming's Yellowstone National Park. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia, a production of iHeartRadio. We sold our loft in Chicago, moved into an RV, and now we're traveling the country full-time with our dog, Finn, exploring America's national parks. (laughs) And today, we're returning to Yellowstone National Park in northwestern Wyoming for part two. So in uh, part one, we actually talked about things like the frontiersmen who first documented Yellowstone and how it became the first national park in the world. That's right, the world. Yes. We also talked about how Yellowstone got its name, about the troops who protected the park for 32 years before the National Park Service took over, and about President Chester A. Arthur's glamping trip. But don't worry, there won't be a quiz at the end of this episode, so feel free to go back and listen to part one if you haven't. It's a doozy. For this part, we want to talk more about Matt and I's trip here together last summer. Uh, We had both visited separately at first, so it was exciting to revisit this iconic park again with our RV. Needless to say, it was a totally different experience, especially since the RV is so huge. We saw completely new things. Completely. So let's cut right to the chase and talk about the star of the park, which are the thermal features. 
They're colorful, they're big, they're loud, they're scorching hot, and they smell like that time our RV's black tank exploded all over you. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so true. Yeah. Oh, the sulfuric smell of these features is really intense, and you can just easily smell it through your car or RV as you drive through Yellowstone. It's actually nowhere near as bad as a black tank, though. I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. It is pretty impossible to miss these things when you're here, no matter what part of the park you're in. And that's because there are more than 10,000 of these thermal features, including about 300 geysers in particular. Most of these are categorized and mapped into different geyser basins throughout Yellowstone, like Monument Geyser Basin, Norris Geyser Basin, and my favorite, West Thumb Geyser Basin. This is a thermal section that's right on the shores of Yellowstone Lake, so it's got a really beautiful and peaceful backdrop. So good, so good. The juxtaposition of these, like, technicolor, almost neon hot springs and steaming pools against the emerald blue lake is just so striking and captivating. And there's this awesome and easy boardwalk trail that winds through a bunch of the geysers so you can, like, meander through and see these two, like, colorful, bright features right alongside each other. It's amazing. It's cool and kind of creepy, too, because these pools have billowing steam pouring out of them and out over the boardwalks. So a lot of the time, all you see is outlines of people in the mist, usually posing for photos, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, same. It's it's hauntingly pretty, and the visuals are just off the charts. Trails. And for a whole another visual, you can also just cross the street and hike the trail called Lake Overlook Trail, which is pretty easy and only about one and a half miles round trip. Yeah, you can just park at the West Thumb Geyser Basin and follow a clear trail across the main road through the woods and up a hill for a sweeping view of the lake. Um, these little clouds of steam just rising up next to it. I've actually done this trail a couple of times. It's, it is easy. I remember this most recent time that I did it. I was seeing these kind of scary warning signs for recent bear sightings in the area. So I was on high alert, like more so than usual. And I know you're supposed to make noise while you're hiking in grizzly country. So what I would do was I would occasionally cough really loud as if that would be a defense. Yeah. But um, I've also been known to have really full-blown loud conversations with myself if and when I'm hiking alone in Yellowstone, which is not recommended. And I'm not endorsing that. And also, please don't tell my parents that I was doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're screwed because uh, you realize this is uh, I know. I, yeah. I realize I literally just told them. But Okay. <laughs> so small um, when you're visiting uh, Yellowstone during peak season in July, like we were, you're rarely alone, uh, which is nice. So people are literally everywhere, for better or for worse. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you're you're— Especially, like, we were here in July, and it's unusual to have a trail to yourself for more than a few minutes during this, like, prime time. And on the other side of that coin, that's also potentially embarrassing for me, knowing that people more than likely could easily overhear me talking loudly to myself and having these, like, ongoing dialogues about me narrating my week or talking about silly things like upcoming movies I can't wait to see. I'm just, like, fully in conversation mode with myself. You, you are entertainment at its finest on these trails, that's for sure. That's I'm, that's great. I hope people appreciate it, I guess. And if need be, though, I am armed with bear spray at all times. I had it clipped to my little fancy fanny pack because fanny packs are coming back. The one that's like blue with the white yes. strap and a lemon on it? Yeah. And then there's like bear spray on it. Right. And it says, spells out the word sour, but I think the O is a lemon. Yep, that's it. Oh, so good. So that's what I, that's what I clip my bear spray to. So a little mix of whimsy and like dead serious <laughs> yeah, and it's all going to be okay in the end. Uh, we sure. just got to get you out on the trail again 
for you to relax. I'm, I'm ready. Me and my fanny pack are ready. Mm. Now let's get back on the road because navigating a park as large as Yellowstone is an important piece, especially for people driving an RV. The main drive in the park is the Grand Loop Road, which is basically a giant 142-mile figure eight that runs through the middle of the park and it divides into different sections. Yeah. I remember before I first came to Yellowstone, I was definitely overwhelmed, as I'm sure most people are, because it is huge. It's more than 2 million acres. So you could easily be forgiven for assuming that it's like a giant maze and really elaborate and complex. But surprisingly, that's not really the case. The way that it's laid out and mapped is actually really straightforward and easy to follow once you stick to the map and kind of get your bearings driving through a little bit. Exactly. The Grand Loop connects to all five parks' uh, main entrances and exits, and it crosses the Continental Divide twice, which is pretty cool uh, when you think of that. Yeah. Um, it's well marked with huge signs on the side of the road with pullouts so you can get photos with the signs. I mean, it has it all. Yes. And speaking of pullouts, here's a little helpful PSA. Please use them. We beg you. <laughs> People are constantly holding up traffic here by stopping in the middle of the road to get photos of animals. And I totally get that and understand it. It's really cool stuff. And these are, you, you want to take photos of wildlife like this, but it creates such a mess, especially in the summer when this place is swarming with vehicles. Plus it's dangerous for both the animals and other drivers. So there's a time and a place and stopping in the middle of the street is not it. Absolutely. Like, so at certain times, traffic at Yellowstone is, I think, worse than traffic in Chicago. It's too much. I remember you were getting road rage at one point while we were driving back to our RV site from Yellowstone Lake one day. Yeah, there's really only so much I can take. After a long day of driving and hiking and exploring, which is also fun but exhausting, like you reach a certain point where you just want to kind of get back, in our case, back to our RV and like unwind and... When you're stuck for like hours and hours behind slow moving people and like stop traffic, it really, really wears on you. So I remember there's this one time I was behind this slow driver, like just taking a sweet time on a joyride in front of me for like miles on end. And the thing that aggravated me even more was he just like had his arm sticking out his window and it was like, you know, going through the breeze. I'm like, this isn't, what are you doing? The, it's like this little thing that just kind of drove me crazy. Yeah. I mean, oh, I've never seen you get road rage like this mm -hmm. either. I mean, it was really silly, but it was also really saying something, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. That's mostly because you rarely drive, though. True. But I, I usually enjoy driving through national parks like this and along scenic roads. And granted, like 99% of the time, it's relaxing and scenic and lovely. But occasionally, I, I do get moments like this where I, I start to, like, shoot steam out of my ears. Like, I've got too many... Old Faithful Geysers strapped to my head. We should also point out um, that it's super important to start your day early and drive into the park as soon as you can because, like we said, traffic can be a beast. Uh, most parking areas fill up super quickly, and you don't want to look like Matt. No. It was steam popping out. I'm sorry, mini geyser steam mini geyser popping steams. out of his ears. Yeah, jettisoning out of my head. I'm constantly shocked, though, by how early these parking lots fill up. It's it's really crazy. Like, especially since many of these parking lots are huge, and they're filled to capacity even when we get there early. Like, are these people nocturnal? Do they just sleep in the parking lots? Are they? How are they here, like, before us? I don't understand. Like, do you hear the road rage? That, like, just even thinking about it, I'm like, it's all coming back to me in a really unfortunate way. It's okay. It's all <laughs> going to be okay. Right. We just got to get you out on the trail again so you relax. Yes. Well, the, the trail, for me, like hiking here is the best medicine. It, it calms me down in between 
driving stints, that's for sure. Yeah, and for all these reasons, that's why we chose to rent a car and not use our RV for the entire time in Yellowstone. Uh, we drove through the park once from the east side to the west, um, so that way we could park in West Yellowstone, where we managed to luck out and book a last-minute RV spot. Um, but this was over July 4th weekend, so we got real lucky. This just really makes it that much easier for parking and navigating, um, because a lot of the parking areas have super limited spaces for large vehicles anyway. That's definitely true. And I, I can't really imagine, like, only being in Yellowstone with an RV, especially in, like, July. You'd have to get up, like, the night before. You'd have to, like, Black Friday it and not leave the park at all. Just have your RV, stay in a parking lot, and be ready to go at 3 in the morning or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah, fortunately, having a rental car, we could wake up at a more reasonable hour, get coffee in West Yellowstone, and then head into the park by 7.30 a.m. and be just fine. Plus, since we have Finn with us, of course, we didn't want to like constantly be leaving him in the RV while we went off hiking because for a lot of reasons, this is not a very dog-friendly park. They're not allowed on any trails whatsoever or in thermal areas, which, all of which makes sense. Absolutely. Of and considering the immense wildlife here, you do not want a feisty little dog like Finn causing trouble with a wolf or a bear or a bison or something. It would be... A regular brouhaha. <laughs> yeah, that and, you know, all these animals, like, dumping everywhere and people not, like, picking it up. Yeah. yeah it would be horrific right. uh, because people are rude like that. Um, <laughs> but I feel like we prepared for Yellowstone properly uh, and did it right. Yeah. Um, we were able to tackle a lot of this park in just a few days that we were here, which uh, we're going to talk a lot more about after this quick break. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. 
Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great tasting, all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia. And today's episode is Yellowstone National Park Part 2. All right, first things first, let's take it back to what brought us to Yellowstone in the middle of prime time. Like, we literally arrived on the 4th of July, and I can't really think of a better place to spend July 4th than America's most iconic national park. All that was missing probably was, like, apple pie and maybe baseball. We did have a hot dog, though. Um, His name is Finn. Oh, my gosh. That's (laughs) right. Yeah. What a patriotic little bunch we were. Uh, and right before Yellowstone, we were at the rodeo in Cody, Wyoming, which also feels like uh, an Americana thing, really. Very much so, yeah. All the cowboy hats and chili and beer and lassos and star-spangled everything. This was an experience. Yeah, I was working at the rodeo selling maple syrup, and uh, we were in the area for that. And you and I were able to attend the rodeo uh, one night just for fun. Yes, and you forced me to sit on a huge cow, which was outrageous, like a, a real cow. And I was, I thought you were joking for the first several minutes that you were suggesting it. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> do people do this? Like, is this actually happening? That was a bull. That was a bull? That oh, was a bull. All right. Well, <laughs> it, was an, it was a cow-shaped animal. <laughs> that, was, that was a bull. And uh, yeah, it was really uh, cold out that night, but it was, uh, that was epic. I really loved that experience of sitting on that bull. Um we got some chili from one of the food vendors and went up into the bleachers to watch some of that rodeo. Yes. It, it was intense. Let's put it that way. A lot of fast-moving animals and dexterous cowboys. It was fun, though. It was an experience, and it was super close to Yellowstone. So after the rodeo was done, we went into the park for three or four days to visit it together for the first time. Together. Together. Right. Yes. But but first, before the rodeo segment was over, because this was like a multi-day thing that you were yes. working at. I remember taking the rental car into the park on my own one day, driving, and it took, it was a while, it took like two hours just to get in and go to like one of the hiking trails I wanted to do, because this park is huge, and we were staying kind of a little ways away, and I did one of the trails by the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone section, which is this gorgeous segment of Yellowstone River with huge, like, raging waterfalls, and it's, it's mesmerizing, amazing place, highly recommend But this is where I did one of the most grueling hikes I've ever done in my life. (laughs) And that's really saying something coming from you. I remember you came back fully exhausted, and that never happens. Yeah, I did the seven-mile hole trail, which is 10 miles round trip, and it descends down to the bottom of the canyon along the river. And it's the only trail in the park in this section that descends to the bottom of the canyon like this. But guess what? What goes down must come back up or something like that. And I apparently forgot about that before I started my hike because it really hurt and I suffered immensely. And I've never, I don't think I've ever like huffed and puffed and gasped for air like this before in my life on any kind of hike. 
I remember at a certain point, I, I just fully stopped caring about grizzly bears entirely. And I, I had bear spray on me the whole time, of course, but it, it reached a point where grizzly bears and my bear spray were a complete afterthought. I didn't care. Like, if a yeah. bear comes, I, I'm i done. Like, just finish <laughs> like, me off. I don't like, I'm care. just going to just lay down. Not even crawl into the fetal position. I'm just no. going to lay down. Right. Yeah. And I, I probably just would have been unfazed in comparison to the pain I was in. But at one point, I also, I lapped this group of younger hikers at 1.2. It was like a group of six or seven, probably like 20-year-olds or something. And they were all really nice and kind of cheering them on. They're like, wow, good job. And I was like, thanks. And then like in my head, like I'm I'm dying. (laughs) And then I tried to like quickly get out of their line of sight so I could literally lie down on the side of the trail and let my lungs like stop burning. That sounds crazy, but at least uh, the views are great, and it's really cool, too, because this is apparently the only trail that actually goes down into the canyon like that. Yes, I learned that the the hard way. And let's not forget about the other trail we did together, which is about twice as long as you told me it was. Yeah, the the Fairy Falls Trail, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. Nearly as miserable. You told me it was three miles round trip. That was just a wild guess. I, for some reason in my head, I was like, female sounds Yeah, right. it was definitely twice that. Um, at least. At least. Uh, but it was really pretty. And, it, you know, it was just so sunny. There were a lot of, like, flies, um, which is not really fun, but. Yeah, not my ideal kind of wildlife for, for hiking. But, and you promised me bison. You know, yeah, I know. It, but, it, I mean, it could have been worse. It could have been, like, a treacherous canyon hike. Could have been, like, you know, swarmed with grizzly bears or something. <laughs> but. So, yeah, the Fairy Falls Trail, I love it. And this, I, I had very fond memories of it from when I first did this trail with my family a couple of years ago. And that that's why I swore I remember it being shorter because in my head, that's I, I thought it was shorter. But I was probably just distracted by all the things we saw that time that I did it, like Grand Prismatic Spring from the overlook at the beginning of the trail and then all the bison, like hundreds of bison, Plus the waterfall itself, of course. I'll give you that. And you know what? That's nature, right? Sometimes you see it, you sometimes you don't. Right. And you just, you can't, you can't be bummed out when you don't see right. it. But, I mean, I was a little bummed. A little uh, bummed. But, I mean, they don't show up on yeah. cue. This isn't no, like this a play. Is, no, this is, this is the real world. This is the real amazing. world wildlife of Yellowstone. Yeah. Um, the waterfall was amazing, and it was totally worth it. It's just long, thin ribbon-like waterfall that crashes down into a cloud of mist. Uh, it makes this stream that flows out into the meadows. I mean, it's just this great place for lunch or mm-hmm. trail beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I was so nervous about that. Like, I was excited about it because I love the idea of trail beers. And I, I just have it built up as such a taboo in my head, I guess. But I, I kept worrying and thinking everyone around us was like a beer narc or something. Oh, my God. Like, oh, it really was happening. Undercover. Like, he goes, they're a beer narc. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're just people. <laughs> like, they just wish that they had a beer, too. Like, <laughs> they might have them in their backpacks. And he goes, no, yeah. well, that one's definitely a beer, beer narc. Beer Look, narc. he has a camera. I'm like, yeah. he's taking pictures of the waterfall. He doesn't care about our beers. Right. Um, <laughs> but the waterfall was amazing and totally worth it. Um, so good. So uh, you're just ridiculous. Let's, <laughs> let's just put it that way. I mean, way. that's clear as day, yeah. <laughs> uh, the rest of the trail was really awesome, though. It takes you by these, like, steaming little rivers and mud pots through small patches of forest and then out into this huge, vast meadow. Uh, we didn't see any bison, as I pointed out many <laughs> times, yeah. um, or much wildlife at all, really, uh, aside for some horses that people were riding on, and they had Cody Rodeo sweaters on. Did they? Um, yeah, they did. Oh, 
Did I? I feel like I was wearing mine too. So yeah. Weird. Yeah. No, they they even pointed out, oh my gosh, they were at the rodeo too. Like, but these people were probably actually like in the rodeo. <laughs> yeah. Because it was now officially over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I clearly looked like I had nothing to do with the rodeo. Yeah. Right. And not to rub it in, but the last time I was here, I did see hundreds of bison, like I said, and a fox. So that was cool. That was exciting. It was this nonchalant really cool. fox that didn't even like really care that we're walking by it. So We'll call that one the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fantastic Mr. Fox, yes. So that's why I was hoping to see a little something extra, or at least, you know, something beyond, like, domesticated horses. But I would say that definitely Fairy Falls, the waterfall itself, in Grand Prismatic Spring totally made up for that. Yeah, we actually started the day early at Grand Prismatic Springs, taking the boardwalk out to the spring itself, but the air was still too cold. Yeah. And it was extra uh, steamy. Right. Yeah, when the air is too cold and you combine that with a scolding hot, hot spring, then it gets way too steamy and it's obscured. You can't really see it. Just kind of sense it and you're aware that it's there and know that you shouldn't go wander into it. Yeah, but it makes for great photos. Yeah, right. And even though I was freezing when we went there in the morning, and I was also worried about your well-being because you were in short sleeves. <laughs> yeah, I really was. Um, but I bet you it warmed everyone up. is really wondering why it took us so long to get to Old Faithful. Which is not only the most iconic site here, but one of the most iconic sites in the entire country. And that's mostly because the Old Faithful area feels too much like a theme park. Yeah, it's it really is kind of too much, to be honest. And don't get us wrong, the geyser is really incredible to behold. And like the name suggests, it's faithful. And I, I applaud the reliability. So there's that. But it's way too crowded and surrounded by hotels and restaurants and stuff that make it feel almost corporate, like it's owned by Disney or something. Not that there's anything wrong with Disney. I, that's great, but... <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Not but, um, Old Faithful Inn is actually a beautiful hotel when you go into it and hang out at it. Uh, you can maybe get some coffee and relax or go check out the gift shops. It's like a huge log cabin, basically, but um, you can also watch the geyser from here. Uh, there's like a porch on mm, the yes. second floor as well. Yeah, is that where you watched it from when you were first here? Yeah, I watched it once or twice from there, and then um, Benjamin and I, we went down and went up to the geyser itself and uh, did that. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a gorgeous hotel and I, I would totally just hang out and lounge about here. I love the, the way it's laid out with these like soaring ceilings and wooden rafters way up there. It's really huge crazy. fireplace. Yeah. Then we got a couple of coffees from the second floor cafe. They have like huckleberry lattes. Mm, yeah. They were yeah. great. Yeah. Really good. But instead of chilling here, we wound up going up to the observation point trail, which I, Pretty much dragged you too stubbornly, <laughs> and because I wanted to watch all faithful from the top of a hill from a different vantage point. I had seen it before from ground level here, yeah, same. you know, in the midst of these hordes of people. So I had heard that this was a cool vista of the geyser, and it's an easy trail to get there. It's only about one and a half miles round trip, and it's honestly much less crowded once you're up there. Um, to see the geyser. There there are a few people, but plenty of room for everybody. There's like, I don't know, two dozen people max. Yeah. So plenty of space. No, not even a dozen people. Right, yeah. But, I mean, I, I can admit when I'm wrong, and the views I thought were not that great. It was further away than I would have liked seeing the geyser. It kind of just looked like a random... Well, yeah, because there's nothing like, um, like seeing it right up front, right? Yes. Right up in it. But it's also beautiful looking at nature in a different way. Um, yeah. 
It, it was really nice to get away from those crowds and the noise, so I'm giving that to you 100%. Yeah, most important. Um, and honestly, if you're spending some time in the thermal area, you got to head over to Mammoth Hot Springs on Oof. the north side of the park. Yeah. Uh, this was the first time to this section for both of us. And it was really impressive. A lot of, lot of, lot of history there. Oh, a lot. This was a sleeper hit. I, had, I think we had both heard of Mammoth Hot Springs, but we didn't look into it too much. And I'm so glad that we did because this was like my favorite day. My There's favorite just so section. much to explore in Yellowstone, right? right. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. So not only because of all the military history here, but Mammoth Hot Springs is where the troops resided when they were tasked with protecting the park. So this place has all sorts of old cabins and great, like, exhibits at the museum and visitor center. But another fascinating aspect is this place was teeming with elk. They were everywhere. Like, I have never seen this much elk just, like, Mm. brazenly wandering around the streets like it's nothing. Like, they were just pedestrians, you know, like, not even noticing the humans, which was a little alarming that they were so used to crowds and cars and stuff. they really were. Right. So, I mean, cool to see. They're beautiful, majestic animals, but still, maybe not this close. (laughs) We also tried to go swimming up here at this place called Boiling River, which sounds a lot more horrific than it is. It's not actually, it's not actually boiling. You're not going to die if you swim in it, obviously. It's actually one of only a couple places in Yellowstone that is accessible for swimming because the temperature is comfortable. It's a mixture of, like, thermal water and, like, the cold natural, like, river water, so... It's ideal for swimming, actually. But when we went up there, yeah, when we were up there, it was closed for the season. Like it was scheduled to open soon, like in any any moment. But we sadly missed it it. probably by a couple days too. (laughs) Um, But there are also these gigantic, colorful hot spring areas called the like Upper Terrence and Lower Terrence uh, with the easy boardwalk trails uh, that run right through them. They yeah, they look like huge tiered wedding cakes is how Mm. I describe them because they're mostly white and they look really too perfect to be real, like a wedding cake that's like billowing deadly steam, if you can envision that. It's like, I don't know, thirty a 30-layer 30 wedding cake that could kill you. It, that's a good way Pretty to describe Mammoth Hot Springs, like the terraces. I could really just stand here all day and gawk at them. I think they're so pretty. Yeah, and right by there, we had breakfast at this beautiful restaurant inside of Mammoth Hot Springs Hotel. Uh, it's this historic property that kind of reminded me of, like, the Stanley Hotel near, like, Rocky Mountain. Yeah, it really looked like that. It had the same, like, kind of history and ornate design, and even just right down to the color palette. It was really interesting. But minus any of the, like, psychosis and murder, I guess. Our server was super friendly here. He was from either from Chicago or like in Illinois. I remember that. Maybe yeah, that, that's right. That yeah, well, sense. I think his badge said Chicago, but he was actually from the Burbs. You know how that oh, works. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> but it was really nice to like chill out here and watch elk while we eat omelets. Yeah. It was nice. It was also the perfect fuel for the Beaver Ponds Loop Trail, which we did right after. Um, that was pretty moderate. It wasn't hard. Uh, it wasn't impossible. It was about five miles round trip. Um, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do it at first because I was feeling sore. Yeah, what was going on? I, I forget what the issue was. Maybe your feet? Something I think feet? Um, I can't. I lower back. I can't remember. Something. But it was. I was in pain. <laughs> Something um, And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Like. And I just, you know, I said, screw it. Let's just do it. It'll be fine. Well, you didn't just do that voluntarily. I I fully guilted you into it. I was like, oh, that's fine. I'll I'll meet you after. I'll I'll just go hiking alone in dangerous grizzly country and probably get mauled. But I'll I'll meet you later. Yeah, that worked like a charm. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was a mixture of like trying to guilt you into it and also legitimately being Well, your afraid. dad would never forgive me. <laughs> no, right. So it's Let's just best. be real. Yeah. And I do not blame you, <laughs> Donald. I love it. In retrospect, just, yeah. He would, he would kill me if you died. Um, uh, yeah. yeah right. I, I would be dead right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> but it all worked out. No bear sightings. And the trail was honestly pretty easy, I think. And uneventful, like totally uneventful regard, in regards to like dangerous wildlife, that's for sure. We didn't see any bears, any bison. I think the only animal we saw was towards the very end of the hike. We saw a small herd of elk in the meadow. But at that point, we were we had seen so much of them that we were like totally desensitized. They were like squirrels. We're like, oh, more elk. <laughs> right. Yeah, I hate how we do that. We get like desensitized from these beautiful animals and... Um, just, yeah. you know, it, but you know, that granted. just happens and, you know, maybe this is a lesson that we'll learn from ourselves and just remember to take that moment to watch those it. elk. Yeah. Appreciate I miss them. them. Uh, but the best part about it was all when we were driving back to West Yellowstone from these hikes and, uh, we actually saw our very first grizzly bear in the wild. Yeah. Finally. And like right at the nick of time too, because this is our last full day in the park. And I think... I was getting to the point where I was reconciling, like, okay, I'm probably not going to see a bear this time. Fine. But miraculously, we did see one, and we saw it the best way we possibly could from the safety of our car. Like, it was off on the side of the road and impossible to miss because there was just a huge swarm of cars and vehicles pulled over and people, like, milling about. You say pulled over, but really they were zigzagged every which way. Like, they basically forgot how to park. Oh, it was crazy. And yeah. they're like, bear! Right. And they got so excited. So it's like, again, pull over because other people want to go through. Yes. I mean, I, we're obviously all stopping for this, but still, like, what if there's an emergency, people? True, yeah. But, I mean, I'm glad that we saw it. So we were able to pull over and get off on the side of the road enough to make way and then see the bear from a safe vantage point. It was, like, off in the meadow, like, foraging for food or something. Full grown, like, full very obvious grizzly bear. Yeah. And just super exciting. And also, it is comforting when you see a grizzly bear to be surrounded by other people. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Worst case scenario, the bear goes ballistic. It would have to mow down a lot of other people to get to us. And I think we're pretty safe. Yeah, this bear didn't even seem to notice the crowds of people that were taking photos from a distance. Yeah. Uh, It was just foraging in the grass and slowly walking along, enjoying its day. Yeah. It was was so exciting. And... I'm really glad that we capped off our time in Yellowstone with this grizzly bear sighting, like the most epic animal here that everyone wants to see. It really was perfect. And you have to remember to pack it up, pick it in a basket. (laughs) City. And I know I'm thrilled to talk about this next section, which is about West Yellowstone. Yeah, it's so nostalgic. I love it. It's such a cute little... Happy Hamlet. It's one of the main kind of entry areas to the park. It's in actually Montana. It's in a sliver, like the portion of Yellowstone that's in Montana, like far northwestern Wyoming. And then West Yellowstone is this bustling little tourist town in the summer. I'm sure it's completely quiet in the winter if anything's even open at all. But yeah. Yeah. So this was my second time in West Yellowstone. Your first. And I was so stoked to be back here and come back with you and revisit all my favorite places that I went to with my family. It's so great. Yeah, West Yellowstone is really a beautiful place. Uh, there's so many places that you can walk to. Um, mm, yeah. I remember that we actually we actually walked over and saw Spider-Man. 
Yes, the new Spider-Man in IMAX. There was like an IMAX theater randomly in West Yellowstone, and that was great. Lo- it was. What a great setting to see Spider-Man, whatever that, far from home. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Um, it, that's because it's just really, you know, when we're going to national parks, we also have to take like breaks from it and just uh, yes. get uh, other entertainment just to, in the evenings, and this is like perfect. Go see a movie, yeah. go eat at a restaurant, which we had a couple of different restaurants. We did. They have a, a good variety of restaurants here considering how small the town is and it's really only like a 10 block radius of place, of, of of a town but we definitely made the rounds some we liked better than others i think we'll just say that like long story short you probably shouldn't eat at french restaurants in west yellowstone no this one um i remember asking them uh a suggestion for wine and they're like red i'm like can and, you break it down a little more please i was like yeah. Oh, you don't even know. I got it. So if you're a French restaurant and you know nothing about wines, you probably shouldn't be a French restaurant, let's be honest, because it wasn't cheap. Like I got like a butternut squash ravioli and that was like 22 bucks. And so like I'm spending a lot of money. I want you to know what you're serving me, but you could just see it was a disorganized mess. Um, Yeah. And I'll tell you this, for Matt being the food writer in the family and the one that like goes out to restaurants all the time, I think I'm more of the food critic. (laughs) You actually are more critical. I'll be honest. I think I've softened a little over the years. Now like I – unless it's outright awful, I'll like – try to find the silver lining in certain places and I'll be like, well, this is good or like this part is cute. Although I don't remember finding many redeeming factors at this place. I guess like the people were nice. They were polite. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was, um, yeah, that was difficult to say the least. And it's weird because it's 4th of July weekend so you know that it's going to be busy so it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. just up your game a little bit. Yeah, please, please try. We also tried to go to a Japanese restaurant because per usual we're constantly craving sushi Mm. and even in the weirdest places. But we can't go too long without having sushi. So we just looked up in desperation and found this Japanese restaurant that looked promising. But, like, we walked in and there was just, like, no one there at all. There was a few, like, teenager-looking people yeah, but they were standing, standing waiting to be seated or something. Yeah. So I don't, I, don't, I don't know if we were, they were just opening, opening or something. But I didn't want to um, wait forever because we waited mm-hmm. 10 minutes. Yeah, and really just nothing. Sorry, yeah. So, you know, you better go, move yeah, on. Precisely. But then we walked over to Bullwinkle Saloon. Now that was perfect. That was they're attentive. Okay. They're fantastic. They have like a, a saloon, a liquor store, and a sit-down restaurant. Yeah. And we went back there multiple times because we felt welcome every single time. Yes, and their food, but they had a diverse mix of food. Some like a lot of like regional specialties like bison burgers and elk ravioli and stuff like that. But then Plenty of surprises, too, like welcome surprises. Like they had a chicken Wellington. I had, this was my mm, yes. first experience with zucchini noodles, a.k.a. zoodles. And first of all, would never expect to find that in West Yellowstone. No. Zoodles. And especially not good. Like this was great. It was um, delicious. Like Yeah, you sat down, you got prompt service. Um, Very friendly. Which honestly, 90% of the reason why I go out to a restaurant is service. Like I want, I want good service. Yeah. Um, so you are a service industry, so they know what they're doing, and we really appreciate that. So shout out to Bullwinkles. <laughs> and whenever you all go to West Yellowstone and Yellowstone National Park, you have to go uh, check in with them and grab a, a, <laughs> a Huckleberry Margarita or go gamble in their casino. Yeah, treat <laughs> like, yourself to some yeah, zoodles. Absolutely. Tell go them. to a sit-down restaurant, <laughs> grab booze to go. Like yeah. Just 
frequent them because they're really good. Yeah. And then, um, you know, there was that other place. A friend of ours, Gary Miano from Montana, he actually told us to go to Firehole Barbecue uh, because it has the best barbecue in Yellowstone. That was solid. Really solid. Um, I remember we got in, we ordered our uh, barbecue, and, it, you know, it's not like um, – Institution, it is a new place, right? But you can definitely see that they know what they're doing. Um, and we got our food, and we sat down, and we sat next to two park rangers. Yeah, basically, I mean, in our mind, they're celebrities. So we were sitting next to a couple of yeah. Yellowstone celebrities. Like it was basically like the Britney and Madonna. Oh, celebrities, <laughs> yeah. even though they're two guys. So I guess maybe Elton John and Freddie Mercury. Oh, well, yeah. he's dead. Right? So. I mean. <laughs> They're yeah. still celebrities. The spirit of um, <laughs> All right. So I guess back into the park rangers. They were amazing. They were really fun. Um, I remember there was the younger one, and he was talking about how his friends are coming in. He's going, like, backcountry camping with them. And he was just as excited as we were. And that's what I really love. Uh, yeah. To see is that our park rangers are just as excited to explore these beautiful national parks that they're in all the time like they're tourists. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Stars are just like us. Mm. They, they geek out over Just like parks. us. Yeah. I love it. They eat barbecue just like us. What? They're humans? I mean, I'm as surprised as you are. I know, right? I'm like, can we, we're going to go party with park rangers. Ooh, party with park rangers. Mm. Let's start this. Maybe yeah. a once a year event. <laughs> I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> and when we come back from this short break, we'll talk with our researcher, Jesslyn Shields, more about the ecology and wildlife at Yellowstone National Park. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia. And today's episode is on Yellowstone National Park in Wyoming. Ecology. So biological diversity is a benchmark for measuring the health of an ecosystem. And today, to talk more about that, we're bringing on our show's researcher, Jesslyn Shields. Hi, guys. Hey. I'm Jesslyn, and I am a freelance science writer, and I'm also your show's researcher. And we love it. Yes, we do. (laughs) I'm so excited to be on today's show because we're talking about one of my favorite things, which is biological diversity and how it's used to measure the health of an ecosystem. Every organism plays an important role in transferring energy, storing nutrients, and breaking down pollutants. So basically, we're not talking about the big animals like bears, bison, and wolves who individually play a big part of the Yellowstone ecosystem, right? Not entirely. They are part of it. But um, we're talking about something equally important, which are the little ones and the big ones together. Lots of times people don't pay very much attention to mushrooms and beetles and blue-green algae and microscopic worms. But if you're thinking about biodiversity, it leads us to the concept of extinction. So wolves were really important to the Yellowstone ecosystem for a few reasons. But one big thing is they work together to take down large ungulates. That's how they hunt. So a bear is huge and powerful, but it will rarely go after a moose or an elk on its own. Hmm. Um, A bear will scare a pack of wolves away from a dead bison after um, the wolves have done all the hard work to kill it. But the wolves, if wolves aren't present in the ecosystem, the bears don't eat as well and neither do the scavengers. Yeah, like ravens, coyotes, bald eagles. That's right. Um, And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Wolves made space in the ecosystem that didn't exist during their 70-year absence for snakes and mice and cottonwood trees and otters and aspen groves and songbirds and all kinds of things. The presence of beavers making dams and the increased bank stabilization on rivers even ended up changing the hydrology in Yellowstone, the way water moves around. Um, These changes are fascinating, and it definitely makes Yellowstone a nicer place to visit, but it also shows us that biodiversity is really important to preserve what we can. Yeah, because we're losing individual species all over the world all the time. It's really tough to know how many species even exist on this planet. Right. The current estimates for the number of species that live on Earth is somewhere between 5.3 million to 1 trillion. No. <laughs> <Which> Small number. <laughs> it's kind of like saying I either have $36 or $1.2 million in my bank account. <laughs> yes, that window. So how many organisms are going extinct every year? Well, that's really tough to tell, too. About 15 years ago, a United Nations task force estimated that 8,700 species go extinct every year, which seems like a ton. But a few years later, they concluded that it was more like 55,000 each year. What? No way. I mean, like, are there that many here? Yeah. I mean, there might be as many as a trillion. Wow. I mean, I thought I was an expert and knew all things because I read a couple of uh, articles. I know. (laughs) Don't we all? Yeah. For those Um, of you who couldn't see, Brad just winked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, humans have only recorded the passing of around 800 species in the past 400 years. So, I mean, that's like somebody going out and being like, there was a dodo bird here and now there are no more dodo birds. (laughs) Um, So it's tough to know exactly where we stand with biodiversity on this planet. But the wolves in Yellowstone help us understand that biodiversity works for the ecosystem. This is sad and a tricky problem to find solutions for. Yeah. Well, I think this situation provides a good case study and why more biodiversity is good for an ecosystem. 
Without functioning ecosystems, we don't have clean air or water. Our plants don't get pollinated by bats and bees and stuff, which means we don't eat. And then there's a tons of stuff we don't know exists. Um, what if a cure for cancer is out there, like on the ocean floor or in the forest? Yeah, honestly, who wants to live on a planet with no wild functioning ecosystems? Not me. No. <laughs> um, so biodiversity is important and arguably the most complex feature of our planet. We need our national parks, partly for preserving spaces that protect it. And just like with the wolves, which are still controversial members of the Yellowstone ecosystem, we need to be boosting biodiversity wherever we can. I know our part of understanding our ecosystem is so important. We need to realize how our decisions impact our world and planet. Yeah. Biodiversity is an engine that makes an ecosystem work. So each species, whether it's a spider or a fungus or a lion, has an important role to play. Greater species diversity ensures natural sustainability for all life forms, even humans. It does. And that's why, like, digging deep into these topics um, is going to be a whole podcast of its own. <laughs> uh, but we just want to introduce these different aspects to our listeners. And I'm really happy that we had you on today to talk a little bit about, like, biological diversity and how it all works together. Uh, because it's important. We learn more. Um, the more we learn and we get to share with everyone, it uh, helps make a better community of assets for our national parks. Yeah. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. My favorite. Well, with all of that, there's so many beautiful things to explore in and around Yellowstone National Park. And I think what we need to talk about is what was our favorite part of Yellowstone on this trip? Mm. Matt, what was yours? This is probably the hardest decision for this segment I've had to date because this park is obviously huge. We Stunning. did a ton. So it's it's hard to narrow it down. But I would say my favorite part, even though at the time I was in absolute misery, it was probably that canyon trail that I did. Ooh, yeah. To the base of Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone because the scenery was just unbelievable and, in retrospect, very worthwhile. I'm glad I put myself through that <laughs> yeah. and experienced it. Cause, I, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Yes. I, I'm glad I did it. It'd be nice to—I should have—it would probably help if I slowed down. I'm, I'm constantly like, speed walking, speed hiking, and this is not the trail for that because you will burn yourself way out before you're even, like, halfway done with it. Really? And then that's a mistake. So, but I, I loved it and I would definitely recommend that trail for, especially if we're with a small group who can keep you motivated and keep you safe. Yeah. My favorite part would have probably had to have been Mammoth Springs area. Good. Oh, yeah. Good one. So many hot springs, so many geysers, so much different like um, uh, ecology and wildlife. Um, just seeing how they interact differently with the environment that they're in. Like you're telling us about like the elk and how they were just like in the middle of everything and they're so used to it. And, you know, that's good and bad. But I remember like there was times where I'd go to turn on the road and there's like an elk crossing. And I'm like, hey, like this is the perfect place to put an elk crossing sign. <laughs> but yeah. there was that. And then, you know, the Boiling River, uh, that I would really mm -hmm. love to do. So when we go back... <sighs> We'll have to make sure it's open. Yeah, I mean, I know definitely. it's seasonal, so it's not like it's a exact hard date every year. It's not going to be like October 1st every year, September 1st right. every it's year. Right, it's not like Starbucks like, pumpkin spice season, you know. It's not it's like nature. cut and dry. Right. <laughs> so we just have to be careful with that. Um, True. We should talk about what things people should bring to Yellowstone. And 
Hmm. Let's assume that from experience, like if you're going to visit Yellowstone during primetime like we did, so like July or August, you should bring, well, for one thing, a lot of patience. A lot of patience, absolutely. And forgiveness, yeah. Willing, yeah. Willingness to overlook a lot of Don't be annoyance. like Matt where there's road rage for a man sticking his hand out the window. It's infuriating. Like, come on. <laughs> so um, that's something that we learned and that we would bring. <laughs> yes. And then we also, I'm sure I've talked about this plenty of times already with Yellowstone, but bear spray, of course, no matter Absolutely. whether you're alone or with a group, that's pivotal. And you can get that really anywhere in the entire area. You can get that from park stores in and around the park, from any kind of convenience store in West Yellowstone or Jackson Hole is the hub to the south. And then bring some light layers because even though it's um, mm-hmm. like in July, we went there really early in the morning. It was cold. Yes. Um, I remember I was mad because I didn't bring a sweater or something um, on our first trail of the day. Right. Yeah. It does get cold. It's not during the day, during the afternoon, especially, it can get really warm or hot. But this is definitely one of those places that at night in early morning, it's brisk at least. Yeah. A windbreaker would actually probably be best because mm-hmm. then that way it's still light and it's breathable in a way. Um, so, you know, just bring another layer. Yes, absolutely. And then if you're doing something specifically water-oriented, if you're lucky enough to be here when Boiling River is open, then bring a bathing suit, bring a towel, and have a great time, and we'll live and swim vicariously through you. Yes, and send us pictures. Tag us at Pod. <laughs> yes. Well, it took us two full episodes, but I think we've done justice for this incredible, most iconic national park. There's a lot here, from epic history to epic wildlife, and you really got to go see it for yourself. Just remember to bring your bear spray and wake up early. You've been listening to Parklandia, a show about national parks. Parklandia is a production of iHeartRadio. Created by Matt Kerouac, Brad Kerouac, and Christopher Haziotis. Produced and edited by Mike Johns. Our executive producer is Christopher Haziotis. Our researcher is Jesslyn Shields. A special thanks goes out to Gabrielle Collins, Crystal Waters, and the rest of the Parklandia crew. And hey, listeners, if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people like you find our show. You can keep up with us on social media as well. Check out our photos from our travels on Instagram at Parklandia Pod and join in on the conversation in our Facebook group, Parklandia Rangers. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And as always, thank you for listening. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. 
Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know what happened next. To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.